Well, welcome up to part two of our series called Made for Mondays. And how many of you are looking forward to tomorrow being Monday? Come on now. Yes, yes. Excited about it. It's going to be a new week. Great way to go make a difference. And our week has already begun because Sunday is fun day. Amen. Hey, do me a favor. Give those that are watching us right now a warm round of applause and welcome them into our experience. And appreciate you guys. We are in part two of this series and uh, really struck a chord with um, a lot of folks last week. I think we're kind of scratching where a lot of people itch <laughs> when it comes to the workplace and a lot of the challenges that go along with that and really trying to figure out ways that we can turn our Mondays into a mission. And so if by chance you missed last Sunday, let me encourage you to go back and rewatch the, or watch that, or maybe you want to rewatch it, you can maybe uh, go back and pick up some of the things we, we learned. But uh, today I really want to kind of dive in from a different perspective. And this past week I was uh, reading a, it was actually Money Watch magazine, and uh, a pretty interesting article about uh, the current economy. Uh, things are kind of back on the upswing. Uh, we're really more on, on solid footing from, a, from an economy, economy perspective. Um, you know, the, the people are back to work. And as a matter of fact, this article is basically just identifying the fact that currently we now have over 100 million people in America that have what is considered to be full-time jobs. What's interesting about that, even though people are back to work and people are full-time employment, 51%, according to this article, are still disengaged from their work. In other words, their heart's not in what they do. They're, they just don't have the passion, don't necessarily have the drive behind their work. Um, they kind of lost interest, if you will. What was interesting is that another 16% uh, of those 100 million people uh, are, are considered to be actively disengaged. In other words, these are the people who are actually contributing to the poor uh, work environment or morale in the office. In other words, they're uh, griping, they're moaning, they're uh, groaning, they're complaining to their coworkers, and, and they're kind of the ones who are helping kind of contribute to the negative vibe of the office space. And as a result of that, I think for a lot of people, they've kind of lost joy in their jobs. And I think, unfortunately, for a lot of people, they're, they're missing out on really what God has in store for them because they're, they're having a hard time maybe finding purpose in their line of work. They just see their work as really being a paycheck and they're really not necessarily seeing the purpose behind it. And uh, I just want to say this, if you ever find yourself driving to work on Monday morning singing that popular song, everybody's working for the well, maybe you've missed the whole point of Monday. You know what I'm saying? Or especially if you find yourself singing the song, you can take this job and don't go there. All right, but anyway. But you know, sometimes we just don't always see the value or the purpose behind the why we work. And last week, we really unpacked that. Last week, we uh, really, I think, unpacked the fact that, that God wants to see our work differently. Rather than following the patterns of this world, rather than embracing the mindset or the attitude of the mainstream culture out there as far as their perspective towards work, God wants us to see it from His perspective. God wants us to approach our work and workplace completely different. He wants us to actually see our work with purpose, beyond just a paycheck, we actually are seeing it fulfilling a greater 
purpose. And so last week, what we did is we really unpacked um, really the importance of, of the why we work. And when we understand the why we work and the how we work, it completely influences the way we work. And so last week, we unpacked all of that. And uh, just to remind you that when you think about work, you know, work was created by God. You know, you know when you read uh, the book, very first few verses of the Bible in Genesis chapter 1, you know, God created the heavens and the earth. God is a working God. And so not only are we created in the very image of God, we are designed by designer. We were created by a creator. And so in the very beginning, we see God working. Then you see man working. And what's interesting is that when God created us as a mirror of himself, we once again, we are a reflection of God. We are made in God's image. Therefore, we shouldn't see work as drudgery. You know, Adam was not in the garden moaning and groaning and griping and complaining to God saying, why me? Why this? Why here? No, 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 no. He found purpose. He, there, there was a reason behind it. God said, I'm going to place you there to rule over, to, to subdue the earth. And, and as a result, you know, that's the same purpose that God has for us. He wants us to create. He wants us to design. He wants us to cultivate. He wants us to produce because that's the kind of God that we serve. And so with that in mind, we have to understand the fact that we can see our job differently. We can see it from God's point of view. And when we do that, we can actually turn our work into worship. So in Romans chapter 12, looking at verse 1, we unpacked this last week, and this is kind of our, really our, our, our foundational verse, if you will. And I love how the message uh, paraphrase version really captures the heart of this. So Paul said this. He said, so here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping you're eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. So when we look at our workplace, as we look at our career, when we see it from God's perspective, we really can see joy in our job. We really can see purpose behind our work. In other words, we see it beyond just the paycheck. Because now we're seeing our work through the eyes of God, and now we're really able to position ourselves to turn our work into worship. Because that's what God desires. He wants our worship to also be a witness. And that's the impact of the way we work. And so today, I'd be safe to say that many of you in this place, or maybe you're watching us today online, you're in a very difficult place. Let me explain. I'd be safe to say that many of us in this room, you're in a place as far as your line of work, maybe the company you work with, work for, maybe you even have your own business and things aren't going well. Maybe you're unhappy with the kind of work that you're currently doing, or you find yourself in a place that you really don't want to be. Maybe you're surrounded by negative people. Maybe you feel overworked, underpaid, and underappreciated. Does that resonate with anybody? We all feel that from time to time. But here's the thing. For many of you, it, 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 it's sad, but you're in a place that maybe is somewhat of a dark place. Maybe you're kind of like a lone ranger. You're kind of a fish swimming upstream as far as your faith is concerned. 
In other words, you feel like maybe you're the only Christian in the office. Maybe you're a student and you feel like, man, I'm just so outnumbered on my school campus. I mean, I think I'm the only Christian around here. And so you feel at times surrounded by difficult people, negative people, negative environments, difficult circumstances, the expectations, the pressure, you know, the, 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 you know, it's our way or the highway kind of approach that maybe you find yourself in as far as your line of work, maybe just has you feeling discouraged, defeated. Well, no wonder it's easy to kind of moan on Monday. No wonder a lot of people, they moan and they groan and Mondays really has become somewhat mundane and monotonous. Well, God wants us to turn that around. And I think one of the best things that we can do today is we can learn from someone who can really relate and identify with our current situation. There's a fascinating story in Genesis chapter 37. And I've titled today's message, What You Need to Know from Joe. We're talking about Joseph today. And what's interesting, we pick up the story in verse 3 in Genesis chapter 37. And by the way, you can follow along there in our app if you want to do so. But in verse 3, Genesis 37, it says, Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his other children. Now, let me pause here and just say, you have Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Jacob had multiple sons. Joseph was his baby boy. Joseph was kind of the apple of his eye. And here's the reason why. Because Joseph had been born to him in his old age. He was a surprise baby. So one day, Jacob had a special gift made for Joseph. It was a beautiful robe. Now, most scholars um, kind of characterize this, this robe, if you will, as not uh, necessarily, some refer to it as a coat of many colors. It wasn't like a winter coat that he had. It was basically something far more uh, formal in, in, in the fact that it would be likened to a wedding gown. So Joseph kind of said yes to the dress, so to speak, <laughs> in a different kind of way. So it was, a, it was a gown, this formal gown, if you will, that was beautiful. It was radiant. It was a coat or it was a gown of many colors. Well, through that, um, it, it, it caused a little friction, as you can only imagine, among the brothers. So the brothers, you know, they're thinking, this little spoiled brat gets anything and everything he wants for dad. Dad just blesses him all the time. You know, we get the leftovers. You know, we get the hand-me-downs. But Joseph, you know, he gets the coat. He gets the gown. He, he's, he's highly blessed and favored in the eyes of dad. So Jacob obviously paid very special attention to Joseph for various reasons. But here's another thing about Joseph. Joseph was a dreamer. And Joseph was known for having these tremendous visions and dreams. And one of the things he told his brothers, he said, hey, I got a dream. I got a vision, a big vision. And one of these days, you guys are actually going to bow down to me. Well, that didn't go over so hot. And so not only is he casting vision and talking about these dreams to his brothers, but he even goes and tells his dad, Jacob, guess what? I'm envisioning that one day our whole family is going to bow down to me. Well, nobody's connecting the dots, but they were all furious with Joseph's big vision and dream. So much so that his brother said, we've we had all we can take with this kid. He needs, we, he needs a reality check. And so the brothers decided to kill him. And so they plotted, they schemed, they tried to figure out a plan to kill 
their, their baby brother, Joseph, and they said, okay, well, let's make up a story. So as they're out trying to scheme and strategize and how they're going to take their little brother out, just kind of get him out of the picture, they decided, in fact, one of the other brothers said, well, let's don't kill him. You know, let's just throw him in this pit. There's a pit here. Let's just throw him in there. We'll make up some story so dad will believe us. And so here in this moment, they throw Joseph into this pit. Well, shortly thereafter, here comes these, this band of travelers, these Egyptian traders, if you will, that come along. And so the brothers said, hey, we got an idea. Let's, let's sell Joseph as a slave. And so the brothers, they took Joseph and they sold Joseph to these Egyptian traders. And these Egyptian traders not only bought Joseph, but they actually took him into Egypt and they put him on the auction block and he was sold to a man by the name of Potiphar. Now, what's interesting is that Potiphar was, was, he was a very influential, powerful man. In fact, he was the chief officer of the Egyptian army. And so here, Joseph now is put into a different place. He's in a different culture, different environment, different people, a very godless situation. And now he's working for basically the chief guard of the Egyptian army. So in this moment, you have to, in some ways, kind of empathize with Joseph. Because Joseph finds himself in this situation all alone. And all of a sudden, now his dreams, the vision that he had for his life, has suddenly become his worst nightmare. And so he finds himself in this awkward place, feeling alone, feeling betrayed, feeling completely isolated, and I'm sure, if anything, he probably was asking himself the question, just like I'm sure many of you have asked your, your, yourself the question, why me? Why this? Why am I having to go through all of these situations? Why have I been placed in this job around these people under these circumstances? Why here? Why me? Why now? If I were Joseph... In that, such, that, that situation and set of circumstances, I would be, honestly, I would be very depressed. I mean, Monday would be definitely Monday for me. But Joseph, the Bible says in Genesis 39, verse 2 through 5, notice carefully. The Lord was with Joseph. Isn't that awesome? The Lord was with Joseph in his aloneness. In his abandonment, betrayal, abandonment, isolation, God, the Bible says, was with Joseph. And notice the outcome. So he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of the Egyptian master. Potiphar noticed this and realized that the Lord was with Joseph, giving him success in everything he did. This pleased Potiphar. So he soon made Joseph his personal attendant. He put him in charge of his entire household and everything he owned. From the day Joseph was put in charge of his master's household and property, the Lord began to bless Potiphar's household for Joseph's sake. All his household affairs ran smoothly and his crops and his livestock flourished. So what's awesome is to know that even though Joseph had gone through all these difficult situations and circumstances, God was with him. 
And not only was God with him, but God blessed him, God protected him, God provided for him, and God prospered him. And that is an awesome reminder to know, and I think if you're taking notes today, you may just want to even jot down the statement, and that is that God is with us even when we can't see him. So when you're in that situation at work, when you're around those people, you know, when you're exposed to all the negativity that you're exposed to, remember, you're not alone. Remember, the Lord is with you you. He's with you on that business trip. Hey, he's with you in that staff meeting. He's with you in the warehouse. Hey, students, he's with you in the classroom. Hey, he's with you even though you may not see him. Even though you may not sense his presence, you need to understand God is with you. And I don't know about you, but you know, we all go through difficulties. We all experience setbacks. We all find ourselves in places and in situations and circumstances that we never, ever desire. But you know what God promises us? The Bible tells us in Isaiah 43, verses 2 and 3, hey, when you go through deep waters, what did God say? I'll be with you. Hey, hey, when you go through the rivers of difficulty, hey, I'll be with you. Hey, when you walk through the fire, you're not going to be consumed. Why? Because I am with you. I am the Lord your God. So you need to remind yourself, hey, tomorrow... You're not just walking into that business office alone. Hey, you're not going onto that school campus by yourself. Hey, you're not going into that workplace, listen, single-handedly. No, you are walking in with the very presence of God. And so remind yourself of that. And be encouraged that God is with you everywhere you go. Listen, God, God promises his presence in our lives, but he doesn't always give an explanation. I think so often what happens is we're asking God, God, why have you allowed this situation to happen? God, why do you have me in this moment? God, why do you have me in this place? God, why did you put me in the middle of these, these, <laughs> these godless people in my workplace? Well, can I just say this? That's the reason why we must see our work as being more than just a paycheck. We got to see our work as having a greater purpose. And you know what? God has not checked out. I know there's been times in my life where I'm praying and I'm believing and it's as though I'm just, my prayers are hitting the ceiling. It's as though, you know, God is, he's taking a sabbatical. He's checked out. You know, he's somewhere on one of the beaches in heaven that he created. I don't know. And sometimes we just wonder, God, do you even understand? Are you aware? Do you even know? Do you even care that I'm at the place that I'm in and I'm going through what I'm going through. Can I just say something to you? And I mean this with all my heart. God is not just with you. Listen, he's for you. He's for you. And you need to be encouraged by that as well. And the reason why that's so important is because not only is he with you, but he's for you. In other words, he has you where you are for a reason. And you may not understand it. And to be honest, you might not even like it. But the fact is, God has you where you are for a purpose. And if you allow him to fulfill his purpose, if you'll give the details and you'll relinquish control and you'll turn over the results to him, God will do things for you in ways that you could have never accomplished on your own. Amen. Listen, God's timing, it's often been said, God's timing is perfect, but it's seldom early. 
So you got to understand that, you know what, God has a plan and he's working his plan and it may not be on your timetable. It may not be the way you would like for it to work out, but God is in control and he's with you and he's for you. But you've got to see that to understand the fact that God is working on your behalf. And so he's with you even though you may not see him. Let's pick up the story of Joseph. What's interesting about Joseph is that so often we kind of see Joseph and we, we, we sometimes kind of fast forward and we get to the highlight reel of Joseph's life. If we were kind of scanning Instagram and if we follow Joseph, you know, we're kind of looking at all of his highlights of being the big man in charge. You know, he's second in command over Egypt. He's in the palace and wow, man, check that out. Man, this guy, he's got it going on. I mean, man, I wish I were Joseph. I mean, good grief, man, I bet he's, he's knocking it down. I mean, good grief. I mean, look at the car he's driving, man. He's got all kinds of stuff. I mean, look at Joseph. I mean, the guy is, he's, he's rocking it. That's what we see. But what, what we fail to remember is that, remember, Joseph was the guy who was portrayed by his brothers. We, we forget the fact that Joseph was thrown into a pit. We forget the fact that Joseph was sold off, and we forget the fact that now all of a sudden he's working for his new boss. He, 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 he's doing the best he can. He, he, he's making a difference. He, you know, he's given all this power and, and he, he's thriving. Things are going well. Everything the guy touches turns to gold. And then all of a sudden, Potiphar's wife, she accuses him of something and he's falsely accused. Now all of a sudden, guess what? He's thrown into prison. So he was a hero, now all of a sudden he's a zero. So he's in prison now, and even in prison, guess what? God was with Joseph. Not only was he with Joseph, but he was also for Joseph, and therefore even in the prison, he found favor with the warden of the prison. And he also found favor with the other prisoners, so much so that over time, he was running the prison system. And what's interesting is that because Joseph was a dreamer, somebody found out that he knew how to interpret dreams. And so one of the, one of the prisoners had a dream and they needed Joseph to, to interpret the dream. One thing led to another. Word got back to the, the ruler of over all of Egypt that, that Joseph was this guy down in prison who knew how to interpret dreams. So Pharaoh calls up who? Joseph to interpret the dreams. And now all of a sudden we see this incredible situation where through the situation and the circumstances and the hardships and the trials and the setbacks and the confusion and the disappointment and the despair and the pain and the darkness that Joseph was going through, God elevated him and put him into a situation. You remember the dreams that Joseph was known for interpreting? Well, Pharaoh had asked Joseph, he knew how to interpret his dream and and you know what Joseph told Pharaoh? He said, you know what? He said, hey, you, need get, you need to get your house in order because there's going to be seven years of famine. Excuse me, excuse me, seven years of prosperity. And then it's going to be followed by seven years of famine. And, and, and he said, you need to start now. You need to start stockpiling and start saving. You need, you need to get ready for the famine. And sure enough, that's exactly what happened. And do you remember, do you remember when Joseph told his dad, Jacob, and J Joseph told his brothers, hey, one day, one day, all of you guys are going to bow down to me? Well, they didn't understand it then. And chances are, Joseph didn't understand it himself related to how all of that was going to work out. 
But one day, Joseph's family, who was just trying to survive because the famine hit and people's lives were at stake. And so all of a sudden now, Joseph is second in command over all of Egypt. And guess who shows up? Simply looking for scraps, simply looking to survive, simply just trying to find a place to have food. And then we pick up the story in Genesis 50, verse 20. And in this moment, guess who walks in? Joseph's family, his brothers, they walk in. And even though they didn't recognize Joseph and Joseph's identity had changed, but in this moment, Joseph knew who his family was. He recognized his brothers. And in this moment, here is what Joseph told his brothers. And in verse 20 in Genesis 50, he said, you intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me into this position so I could save the lives of many people. What does that say to you and me? God has not forgotten about you. Hey, God is orchestrating. What he initiates, he orchestrates. Hey, God is not only with you, he's for you. He's working behind the scenes. Hey, he's lining up the details. And I, listen, I promise, if you will keep him first, listen, if you'll just relinquish control and you'll give God the details, God will get you in front of the right people at the right place at the right time to yield the right results that you've been praying for. Amen. He will. He truly will. God has a way of turning all things together. In fact, Romans 8.28 says what? And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. So if Joe were here today, and you could sit down with Joe over a cup of Joe, and he could download some lessons to learn that would be applicable to your life and to mine. There are two things I think Joseph would want us to learn from what he learned, from his experiences. And the first is this. Be faithful in your now. Do you hear me? Be faithful in your now. Whatever your now is, be faithful there. Because when you're faithful in your now, God will get you to your next. He will. And we have to trust the process. We have to trust him to be God. We have to trust his timing. And that's why I love what in Luke chapter 16, verse 10 says, Hey, if you're faithful in the little things, you will be faithful in large things. So at the end of the day, where God has you right now, you may not like the job you have. And you know what? You may not be where you want to be, and you may not be where you're ultimately going to be. But wherever, wherever your now is, be faithful there. Do your best. Listen, give God your best. That's why we got to turn our work into worship. Chances are when Joseph was first thrown into the situation there in Egypt when he was sold off the auction block and he went to work for his new boss named Potiphar. He probably wasn't given the corner office. He probably wasn't given a big you know, budget with all the perks and the company car and all the things that went with it. No, they probably put him at the lowest, I mean, the, I'm talking about the, the extreme bottom of the totem pole. He probably was working out at the outhouse. 
So here's Joseph probably working in the outhouse, just, I mean, just doing his thing, you know, just doing whatever he was told to do. And people begin to notice something was different about the outhouse. Now, I'm just hypothetically going, y'all go flow with me, all right? But put yourself in Joseph's sandals. Here he is working the porta potty. Day after day, I mean, the same old, same old. People would walk in and walk out, you know, kind of being disoriented. But Joseph's working there, and all of a sudden, people walking in and say, Wow, man, this place smells a little different. Man, somebody's been sweeping the dirt around here. It looks pretty nice. Did you, somebody, did y'all, who put the flowers in the bathroom? Man, somebody's been pouring Febreze in that place. I mean, it, it has a whole different atmosphere in there. Joseph was just being faithful where he was in his now. No wonder God elevated him to his next. Which leads me to say, your excellence will increase your influence. So you got to change your perspective. So when you go to work tomorrow, you're not working for your boss. You're not working for your supervisor. Students, you're not, listen, you're not going to school. You're not doing your test. You're not doing your paper. You're not doing your homework for your teacher. You're doing it for God. But don't walk into work tomorrow and say, to your supervisor or to your boss or to your teacher or your professor, don't go to them and say, I don't report to you. I work for God. My pastor told me that yesterday. Don't do that. That'll be your last day of work. You'll be moaning next Monday. So don't do that. No, 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 no. You just be faithful in your now and God will get you to your next. So as you are giving God your best, as you're working unto the Lord rather than for people, as you're allowing your excellence to, inclu- to influence your, 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 your impact and your, and your influence on people's lives, now all of a sudden God is beginning to bless you. Now all of a sudden God is beginning to position you. Now all of a sudden, because you've been faithful in the little things, now all of a sudden God is saying, okay, now I can trust him. Now I can trust her to be faithful in bigger things and greater opportunities because if you are unwilling to be faithful in the pit, you'll never be elevated to the palace. So at some point, at some point, we got to say, okay, God, you have me where I am for a purpose. And I realize that, listen, my job and my career, it may not be where I want to be. It may not be where I'm going to be one day. But I realize that, God, you've placed me here that's far, far more important than just a paycheck. There is a greater purpose that you have. So I'm giving you my best. I'm going to find joy in my job. I'm going to turn my work into worship. And you know what's interesting? When we have that kind of mindset, and that is really our, our heart and our, in, in, our, in our attitude, in our perspective, then guess what? God has a way of using us where we are in ways that we would have never thought possible. Because now we're walking into our workplace. Now we're walking into our school campus with a different perspective. We're seeing our coworkers differently. We're seeing our situation differently because we put purpose in our workplace. We're, we're now finding meaning in our job. And so because of that, it's becoming more of a mission. 
So now we're aware of the conversations that are taking place. Now we're uh, allowing our, see, our, our, our lives to be seen as a light. Now all of a sudden, even though you're in a dark place, guess what? You have become a light in the midst of the darkness. You may be in a conversation with someone, but because of something they say or maybe something they reveal and something they confide in you in, maybe God uses you now to be the answer to their prayer, the Bible that they just begun to read, the church they just begun to attend. You know why? Because they're seeing Jesus being lived out through your life. And that's what God wants. Joseph, when he saw some of the servants there in, the, in, in, in prisoners in the prison, you know, he, he saw one of them very down and, de, and discouraged and defeated. And the Bible says, and he walked in, he said, why, why, why is your face so de dejected? And he was aware of the situation. He was aware of the people. He was aware of his surroundings. He was aware of the opportunities. And I think we have to be cognizant of the fact, you know, that God has us where we are for a purpose. And guess what? We are co-workers with God. Guess what? The Bible says that we are his ambassadors. So when we walk in tomorrow, we can walk in with a greater sense of destiny and purpose and passion. Why? Because we're turning, listen, our Monday into a mission. Our work has now become worship. And because work has been turned into worship, my worship has become the greatest witness. And so don't fail to remember the fact that, hey, be faithful in your now. I was talking to a friend of mine yesterday evening. Uh, we, I did a funeral yesterday here at our Conway location, and uh, a friend of mine was in the service, and uh, when everything was dismissed, he and I were visiting for a while and just kind of getting caught up, and, and he was sharing with me about his disappointment. He had run for a very um, high office here in Orange County, and uh, lost in the recent election. And uh, he said, Rodney said, you know, I just really felt like this was of God. I really felt like, you know, this was something I was supposed to do. I really felt called to do this. And he said, I, I put, he, he said, I put my heart and my soul into it. He said, I invested my own money into it. He said, he said, I did everything right. He said, I had an amazing team. He, we, we worked so hard and we just really felt like this was, this was going to be an opportunity for us to really make a difference, to, 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 to really serve a bigger and greater cause. And because he's a, he's a follower of Christ, he's a Christian businessman. He said, man, I just really felt like this was just going to be an amazing ministry opportunity. He said, but you know, he said, I got to admit, he said, I was disappointed when we lost. But then he went on to say, he said, you know, he said, but that disappointment has been turned into something far greater. He said, because now I begin to realize why God allowed me to go through what I went through. He said, because I met people that I would have never had the opportunity to meet. He said, I had the opportunity to minister to people that I would have never had the opportunity to minister to. He said, God has now allowed me to be able to build bridges and be able to use my excellence as a place of influence with people that I would have never met. He said, because of what God allowed me to do, he said, because I was faithful in my now, he said, I just believe that God is going to get me to my next. And that's the kind of attitude we got to have. So be faithful in your now. And if Joe were here today, he would say, not only be faithful in your now, wherever your now is, be faithful there. But he would also say, live a God first life. Live a God first life. Now backtrack to the story of Joseph. And you remember he was, he was working for Potiphar. It's interesting about Joseph. The Bible says he was a, he was a good looking guy. I mean, this dude, he had it going on. 
He was probably, you know, Egypt's, you know, competing maybe for the sexiest man alive front cover edition. I, I don't know. I mean, the guy, he was, he was a rock star in Egypt. What's interesting, it says in verse 6 in Genesis 39, Joseph was a very handsome and well-built young man. And Potiphar's wife soon began to look at him lustfully. She said, come and sleep with me. But Joseph, notice, Joseph refused. Look, he told her, my master trusts me with everything in his entire household. No one here has more authority than I do. He has held back nothing from me except you because you are his wife. And then notice what he says. How could I do such a wicked thing? It would be a great sin against God. You want to know the reason why God elevated Joseph from the pit to the prison and ultimately to the palace? Because he lived a God-first life. Because he had a pure heart and he had clean hands. Because he had one desire, one mission, and that was to honor the Lord with all of his heart. Can I just say this to you? You know, as believers in Christ, what does the great commandment say? We're to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, mind, soul, strength. We're to give God our very best. Give him our worship. Give him everything that we have. Give him our dreams. Give him our hopes. Give him our, listen, give him our, give him our careers. Give him everything. Give him our marriage. Give him our family. Give him everything. When we put God first, when we make him the center of our lives, when we allow everything to orbit around him, instead of him just being a part of our lives, a slice of the pie, no, no, no. He wants to be at the core. He wants to be in the center. He wants to be in the heart of everything that we're about. And when we put Jesus first in our lives, in our workplace, it's amazing what God will do. You know, I think sometimes we fail to realize that we are God's chosen generation. We are a peculiar people. In other words, we're to live different from the norm. We're to be set apart. And when we do that, we can be the light in the midst of darkness. We can turn our Mondays into a mission. We can find joy in our job. We can see purpose way beyond a paycheck. You know why? Because we're not doing it for people. We're not working for people. We're doing it for God and to advance his purposes and to make a difference for his glory. Amen. That's why we work and that's how we work. And when we believe that and we do that, it changes the way we work.